lazy Sunday. Lovely. Ugh, I don't want to cook dinner. I just want to sit here in my pants and... Ah, what's that at the door? I think it's a brand that can help me out on today's Authentic Avenue. Postmates, the technology and lifestyle brand known for bringing almost anything to your front door. Eric Edge, their SVP of Marketing and Communications, has worked hard to design and define the delivery giant over the last two years. So no, it's not just a hangover haven, and the company has proven that not only through the ways it can be used, but also in the ways it supports the community. Today, we talk about what Postmates is, what it isn't, and what it will be down the road, or perhaps down the block from you. So listen in as I get real with Postmates and Eric Edge. So I'm based in the DC area, but a lot of the YouTube and other online content that I watch comes out of creators who are based in the LA area. And years ago, even before I really knew what this brand was all about, everybody out there was talking about how they use Postmates for everything. Postmates this, Postmates that. It became a verb. And I was wondering, what the heck? How do they get there? What is this brand? And of course, then I look into it. It becomes huge. And I'm here today with the person that's made it all happen for the past two years, Eric Edge. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's a true story, by the way. All of those folks use Postmates and nothing else. It's almost as if there is no other choice for them, but almost as if there is no more choice available out there. How the heck did you guys get so prevalent in that LA market? Because that was what has stuck with me first. And of course, I know you're broader than that, but there, you I mean, you are rock solid number one. Yeah, that, great observation. And, and again, thanks for thanks for having me on. We, you know, LA is is our number one market. We've become the number one platform in LA, as you mentioned. And what I really think happened over time, and this this is pre-me joining Postmates, but but over time, what happened is there was a very, very clear product market fit. And that's not that's not a buzzword. That's a if you think of LA and you think of the way LA works, right? There's a lot of great restaurants. There are a lot of great retailers, but you have to get in a car and you have to drive everywhere. Um, and, and, and I think that's something that we all know about LA. And even if it's a few blocks down, you're probably hopping in the car to drive there anyway. And so what that meant was that you had a bunch of amazing local restaurants that people loved in LA, but they didn't have access to them unless they chose to get in the car or hop on a bike or walk, whatever it may be, but, but go in order and pick up their food. And early on when, when Postmates arrived in LA, uh, I think what, what happened was that, that we tapped into something that was brewing within people, which was the answer to this question, how do I get access to the restaurants I love, the local restaurants I love, that just don't have delivery as, as an option? And, and we came in and we solved that problem. And I think, you know, little by little word travels and, and, and you start to, to access restaurants like Sugarfish and like, you know, local favorites now, like, you know, Sweetgreen. And you start to, to give people access to those and they talk. And, and, and over time, you, you build that up, you lean into that on the marketing side of things. And to your point, in LA especially, you get to a point where people say, hey, let's Postmates that. Uh, let's Postmates something. And, 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 and it, is, it, is, it is being used as a verb. 
and that's just something that's, you know, the pinnacle of, of greatness, you know, for, for your brand to be able to do that is great. And so I, a great observation you had, but that's sort of the background on how we got there. Well, easily, I can understand how if you have to drive everywhere, gosh, that's annoying. Wouldn't it be nice to just Postmates something? Now, you're, of course, in more places than just LA. And this year, uh, given the context, more than ever, things are being delivered, whether it be food or packages or, or subscriptions to things, anything else. Everything seems to be delivered. I'm seeing it all over the place. In fact, there's a number of organizations out there that are trying to break into it, trying to disrupt. And you're trying to go into a bunch more metropolitan areas, which maybe are a little more metro accessible than car only. How do you tailor what you do when you go to market in those other places where it isn't such a stretch to walk down the street and get something? Hey, look, here's the deal. I think people want things in a more convenient way. And that those things could be, to your point, could be food or a bunch of other things, right? Drinks is another great category on Postmates. And we're even, even seeing people use Postmates for, for some of their favorite local retailers. Now, what I would say is this, even though you may be in a market where people can walk down the street um, and, and pick something up, think of New York. New York's a great market for us. Why? Because you don't always want to, you know, get dressed, <laughs> go outside, maybe fight the weather and even walk a few blocks down to get something. Um, you're, you're busy or, or you don't want to leave the house and, and you want something delivered to you. And so you know, people turn to Postmates to bring whatever it is that they want to them in, you know, call it, you know, 30, 45 minutes. And, and that's not, not dependent upon whether or not you have the opportunity to walk down the street or drive down the street and get what you want. It really is about, about convenience. And, and I think that we see that no matter the market we're in, that people want to be able to order whatever they want and get it on demand. And, and that's what we're trying to build across the country. I can relate especially well to that not wanting to get changed. I'm one of the webcam weary where while sure, waist up, looking great, um, liking to stay in my pajamas as much as I can, especially if we're, if we're sticking around at home here. <laughs> there but, you go. Uh, that's interesting to know as well, because I, I think of an area like New York as, as diametrically opposed to LA when it comes to accessibility of things right on the block. And yet there is that human nature of, God, I just don't want to go outside today. And that's where you're able uh, to take over. Now, this year, of course, brought a bunch of new challenges um, with regard to the way that people shop, the way that people experience things. My guess is it's uh, perhaps unfortunately, but maybe fortunately, been been incredibly um, helpful to the way that you go to market. Uh, assuming that is true, and unless you want to correct me, I'm going to assume that that's true. Uh, what's been most striking about this from a brand that seems poised to benefit from all of this mess? What I would say is that, yeah, you know what, the past seven months, eight months have been have been extremely unpredictable. But what we've realized early on was that when when we were all sort of you know on lockdown and and really couldn't leave our house or shouldn't leave our house houses, we realized that small businesses and especially small restaurants needed a lifeline to the customer. And early on, what we said was, you know what, there's people still want to support their local businesses and. They can't get out and do that. They can't go in person. And at the time, I think there were, you know, a lot of these restaurants were even still trying to figure out pickup, which is something else Postmates offers. But again, back to authentically what we can do as a brand, that's something, that's who we are. That's in our DNA. Being able to bring those local businesses to customers is what we do and it's who we are. And so for us, as we worked through COVID and we've worked through times when people just didn't have access to go out and get what they wanted. 
um, we, we leaned into our core and to our core DNA and to our ability to just send a lifeline to these small businesses. And so it has been something that we've been extremely proud of, but I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it was actually just something that's core to who we are and what we do. Now, I've got to get into that word a little bit because you said it. Uh, listeners, as you know, on this show, we speak about that large A word and the avenues that brands take to achieve it themselves. And Eric, I'm interested in this for two reasons, two colors of that word, both the reflective nature of authenticity as well as the operational injection of it into the tactics that you hold across the brand. I want to learn how you inject authenticity into this brand perhaps the values that you hold, which you seek to reflect, and how that has manifested into some of the tactics which you have laid out, whether it's this year or since the beginning of your tenure? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great, it's a great question because a lot of brands struggle with doing things that are authentic to who they are. In fact, I would say that there are a lot of brands that, that really try to do things because it's commercial in nature and they believe it will help their business, but it may not be authentic to, to who, who they are and the brand that they're building. And, you know, for years I've, I've been a proponent of, of making sure that my teams feel enabled and empowered to lean in to everything that we believe to be the truths about our brand. And that's really what it's about understanding what the truths are, behind your brand. And those come in the form of the values that you create and that you you believe in and that you represent as an organization. But they also come into play when you look at what your customer's perception of the brand is. And that's something that I think is really important. So, you know, you mentioned a few things uh, over the past, you know, 10 minutes or so about Postmates, one of which is that our, our, our presence in LA, but more specifically, you saw us on YouTube and, you know, you, you've seen us kind of in pop culture. Well, one of the things that is a truth and is a customer truth is that we are a pop culture brand, a brand that intersects food, technology, and culture. And that's something that our customers see in us. And that's something that as a result, we lean into even more. You've, you also mentioned, you know, this idea of, of COVID sort of accelerating what people were doing when they looked to on-demand delivery as an opportunity to help small businesses. Well, again, that's something that's authentic to who we are. We've built this, this business up by bringing small businesses first and foremost onto the platform. And now, of course, you can get the, the major, major Chipotle's and McDonald's and you know the, the biggies on the platform as well. But very early on, Postmates was all about bringing all the local businesses in any given market onto the platform and giving people access to them on demand. And so, when something like COVID comes up, we can, again, I, not, to, not to be trite and use the word, but we can authentically lean into the fact that we were built over you know, the past nine years or so on, on small businesses and bringing small businesses on the platform and driving incremental growth for them. And so those are things that are just truths to who we are and truths to the brand. And you know, more specifically, as I think about our marketing strategies and, and how we work with our teams internally, one of the things that I think is very important is that we reinforce that with the teams and, and make sure that they both understand what those truths are, but also lean into them as they develop and execute marketing strategies. And it, it may sound simple, and, and often it is simple, but if you're trying to do things that are 
not core to who you are or do not represent what the brand is today, then you have a different beast in front of you because then you're into this moment of change where you actually need to create a journey to change the perception of your brand. And that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. I have two questions here to expand on that. You mentioned this word truths and I've of course heard it. It's a great way to be reflectively authentic for a brand. Do you hold them centrally somewhere? I mean, is there a list of like truths and values that you stick to as your North Star? Is that something that you disseminate to your teams or is that something which everybody just considers self-evident? I want to get a little bit into the weeds there because talk about sticking true to truth. What are those truths for you? Yeah, it is something that we share as a brand. I mean, one of the things that I I did when I first came into this role at Postmates a couple years ago was work broadly across the teams and 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 create that that it was a deck, right? And it's the here's our voice and here's our tone. And of course, now that that's 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 a a one oh one effort. But actually, right, that's a lot of like branding decks. I would assume has that kind of stuff. That's right. But but here's the thing: when you're creating that. It's not just a who, how do we want to present this brand? Part of what we created in that was what are the truths? What are we and what are we not? And, and th- that exercise of what are we and what are we not? And, and using consumer insight and using, you know, the, in, the intelligence of the teams who are working on this brand and who have worked on this brand for years to create that document that says who are we and who are we not gets to the truths and gets to the, the, the core of how you want to approach anything that you do for the brand. And that was something that we did very early on. And I think it's a great exercise because, you know, you may, you may have a whole list of things on who you are, but guess what? When you start to say who or what are we not, you really get to the bottom of how you're going to approach that brand and, and your overall marketing strategy. What was the most striking one of what we are not? That seems really interesting to me, and it seems to be a good way to figure out what you are sort of in a, in a weird opposing way. But I'm curious as to that, and then maybe, may, actually, maybe as a second part, what's, what's that, from that list of truths, what's the one that's come forward the most strongly over your roughly two years? But I want to know, know both of those, because that's a very interesting way of deducing the brand and like what it is that you stand for and do. Yeah. One of the things that that stood out to me on the what are we not over time was this idea that we're a brand that that it leans into sophomoric humor. And I'll use that word, sophomoric humor. And and what that meant was that I believed and we collectively believe there's so much more to the brand than just talking about the use case of you wake up, you're hungover, you don't want to get out of bed, and so you order Postmates. Right. That was something that I thought was bubbling up a little bit and something that as we dug in, we said, you know what, that's not really who we are. That's a that's a that's a use case for sure. Um, But but actually, is does that define who we are as a brand and how we are solving this problem and challenge of convenience for customers? Probably not. And so that's one that I think over time we all kind of rallied around and said, you know what? sophomoric humor in marketing and in who we are and how we talk about ourselves is not something we need to lean, lean into. Instead, we should think about how we're clever. And when we lean into humor, it's done in a clever way. And it's done in a way that's uniquely Postmates. And it's done in a way that only we can do and that you would know it's Postmates if you saw it. And we start to define what it looks like from there. That, that was one that really stood out to me. 
Um, and then who we are goes back to the lifestyle brand. We are a lifestyle brand as much as we are a technology brand. And I think this, this taps into something really interesting, especially having spent this, this last half of my career in technology. It's, it's rare to find a brand that can be equally uh, comfortable talking marketing as it can technology. I think for, you know, in, in the tech world, a lot of times what you see is that tech companies are very engineering and product driven, which Postmates is. But guess what? We're equally as much marketing and design and, and everything that we're talking about today, we're equally that company. And to have equal footing and to understand that you are using the, the truths that you have as your brand to lean into the fact that you're a lifestyle brand and that you're at the center of pop culture is something that I think really sets us apart from the competition in the space. I think that that's right for any brand to get away from this maybe sophomore stereotype of Oh yes, this is that's just the brand that I'd use when, you know, insert niche situation here. And to get broader towards, well, this is for me a lifestyle of wanting things to be more convenient and changing perhaps the paradigm of the way I do business to making things more efficient for me. Postmates becomes a very elegant tech solution in that. And if along the way you can be clever and humorous, then great. Something that I've noticed with people who talk about Postmates, it seems the way that you communicate about Postmates, there isn't much difference there, which is great because a lot of times, especially within these, I would say, concurrent contexts of COVID, also um, uh, racial injustice all over the US right now, causes people with brands who don't communicate it right or who come off as disingenuous to roll their eyes. And there becomes a gap there between that perception and the communication. So the perception and the posture, let's say. That gap in authenticity doesn't seem to be there with you. Where do you think brands can do better? Because it seems that you've struck a right chord here. And then after I hear this, I want to talk about some of the ways in which you have struck the right chord, but where can brands improve here? Because some brands have just not gotten it right. Well, I think when brands don't get it right, it's because they are trying to do something that is not inherently who they are. And Again, all of these concepts sound very obvious, but I'll use, I'll use you, you, you talked about um, one of the latest um, things that we've been addressing, which is the racial injustice that you see in, in the country here. For, for us as a brand, we knew right away as everything really started to come to the forefront and, and momentum started to, to, to gain across the country, we knew right away who we are what our position was, that it was unwavering. Um, and we knew the types of things that we could do to help spotlight what was happening in the country, but also support and provide action. And we also knew that we weren't perfect. And I think that that combination of things of truths is something that allowed us to move quickly, to pivot, to be flexible, and to come up with some immediate solutions to start to address some of the things that we saw happening in society in a way that was very fast and that was very organic to who we are versus other brands who see it and who are frozen because they maybe they have not had efforts to address things like racial injustice. Maybe they have not put diversity and inclusion at their core, but they knew now they needed to, and they were being called to the table to do that. And they froze 
because they don't know where to go next, um, because it's not something that they have authentically addressed as a business or as a brand. And that's just not where we were. Again, we're not perfect, but we've you know invested in diversity and inclusion. We've we've tackled racial justice in a way that we thought was authentic to us. I'll give you a great example of that. Um, we within within a few days of of of, of George Floyd's murder, we not only um, had immediately put out a statement saying there's no room for this in 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 our business, but we believe there's no room for for something like this and for racial injustice in this country. But we also internally rallied the teams and said, you know what? This is an opportunity for us to provide an additional lifeline to these small Black-owned businesses and provide a spotlight for them so that we can continue to drive support. And what we did is within a couple of days, the teams all came together. They identified in a very manual way what Black-owned businesses were on our platform and, and created a call to action to say, by the way, if we're not getting all of them, tell us if you're a Black-owned business. We created what we call a place group an app, which is a call out an app that says support black owned businesses. You tap it and there's a whole list of businesses that you can order from on Postmates that are black owned. Now, we did that within a few days. Why? Because it was the right thing to do and it was the authentic thing for us to do. We leaned into something that we believed we could use our technology, our brand and who we are to support these local businesses and provide a spotlight on them so that they can continue to grow in a time when the country was, was, was in, in an uproar because of all of the things that were happening uh, in, in, in our country at that time. And, and I think that that's something that we continue to do and that doesn't go away, right? That wasn't just something we did that week. That's something we continue to do. And we, we have you know, these, these merchants who are on our platform in 177 cities across the country that are being featured because we know it's the right thing to do and now is the time to do it. If you didn't understand who, what you are and who you are as a brand, leaning into something like that becomes really difficult because instead of just doing it and acting on it, you have to, I talked about freezing, you freeze, you scramble to try to figure out what you do as a brand to support and address and be, be a change agent within this space. and and, and that takes time and you don't know what to do and you need approvals and all of that kind of stuff slows you down and causes brands to freeze. And that's just not the brand who we are. That brings up a really interesting question that I had that was lingering in the back of my head. But since you bring it up, you mentioned that you have these incredible initiatives in place to support black owned businesses. It's a wonderful thing. A lot of folks are doing that right now and that you want to keep on doing it. My question is in the how. The reason is because, and officially Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013, but I saw brands' responses to different acts of injustice over the last, let's say, six or seven years, obviously rise to the occasion, but then in times which this was not so front page, I didn't see those efforts as strong. I saw it very strongly in 2014 when we saw stories like Michael Brown and Tamir Rice uh, and Eric Garner. I saw it again in 2015 in my hometown of Baltimore with Freddie Gray. And I've seen it now this year, not only with George Floyd, with, with Breonna Taylor, with uh, Ahmaud Arbery, we're right back at the beginning of COVID. Um, I'm curious from you, as a brand with great cultural centricity, and some might argue a responsibility to stand for these issues in an evergreen capacity, 
how you intend to keep the efforts as strong as they are right now, because now I know they are very strong from you. You're positioning it very well. How do you intend to maintain it? Well, it doesn't stop. This isn't, this isn't a campaign, right? This isn't an ad campaign. This isn't something that has a start point and an end point. This is inherently who we are and something that we believe will always continue. And, and that is making sure that we are at the forefront of investing in diversity, inclusion, and stopping the racial injustice that exists in our country. And, and I think that there's, there's a bunch of ways that we can do that. And there's ways probably that we don't even know yet that we can do that. And that's why we have our teams internally working. And we have a, a working group internally on diversity, diversity, inclusion, and racial justice, which is something that a bunch of people come together on to say, hey, what else could we be doing? What's next? How else should we be thinking of this outside of what we've already done? Um, you know, there's, 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 we've signed on to Black Tech for Black Lives. There's a lot of good organizations that we can get inspiration from so that as we define what's next, um, we, we do it in a way that's uniquely Postmates and, and something that actually is helping, again, draw that spotlight and support and attention to something that needs addressed in this country. And it doesn't stop there. You know, when we talk about diversity, inclusion, and racial justice, that, that bridges a lot of different, a lot of different people. And we want to make sure that we are very inclusive to all of those people. And so I think that this is, again, this isn't something that is a, there's no start point and end point. This is something that we continue to focus on, that the teams continue to ideate on, that we will create new programs and initiatives on, and it just doesn't stop. And I think if you have that kind of leadership in place where you say, this is who we are, and this is something that we should, could, and will do, and you hold each other accountable to that, then this is something that inherently becomes one of your brand truths, back to what we talked about earlier. If you approach this as, hey, something's happening that's not okay in society right now, we're going to create an ad campaign around it. Well, guess what? That has a start point and it has an end point. And the problem with that is that brands that do that are simply capitalizing on a moment. They're not changing the fundamental truths of who they are as a brand. Hmm. That's really well put. I really enjoyed listening to that answer. Um, and listeners, when, when I publish this, I'll enjoy listening to it again because it's important to know that. I think, perhaps naively, a number of years ago when this first really came back to the forefront, of course, this issue's been around for hundreds of years, I did see that rise and fall in relative importance. But it's not just a campaign. I mean, it is a true movement and hopefully for many brands out there will become one of their truths. It's that spirit of what's next and what else that we do, uh, do we do. I want to take the conversation now to some of the things that are perhaps not strictly tied to the issues, but tied to how you're positioning as a brand. Because as 2020 continues on, it seems to me that consumers are ever more accepting of brands creeping back into their lives in the way of, of being in advertising mode. Listeners, you'll know this from the CMO Van Hazer Bush, who just talked about this last week. I am curious because I've seen some pretty interesting partnerships Postmates has done pop up very, very recently. I want to know what's next broadly for you and the team. How are you going to move forward, not just from 2020, but as a brand embracing these truths? I want to hear a little bit about the NFL there, if you, if you could uh, enlighten me. But what's just next for Postmates? Well, you know, what's next is continuing to, to innovate and to bring to life these, these truths. I think, I think you, you hit on it just now. You talk about the NFL. 
look, the NFL is amazing, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it was a, an amazing opportunity, an amazing partnership. We're, we're the official on-demand food delivery partner of the NFL, which we just announced last week. We love that. Why do we love that? Well, this goes back to where we started the conversation, which is, who are we? What are those consumer truths, brand truths? What do we know about the brand? And what do we know about a potential partnership? Well, if you look at the NFL, we know that people, for the vast majority of people, are at home watching football and enjoying football at home. And that's happening this year more so than any year because they can't go to the stadium. We also know that football goes hand in hand with food, right? Not just on Super Bowl Sunday, but, you know, how often do you love, you know, going and, 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 and ordering your, your, your favorite Sunday afternoon football food, plate of nachos, whatever it is, ordering your favorite food and watching football? doing that for Monday night. We know that those two things go hand in hand. And we take a step back and we said, okay, this is interesting because not only is there an opportunity for us to provide, again, an authentic service to NFL fans, which is ordering food on demand at home on game day, um, but we know that the, the business of NFL is so tied into food and that people will be home watching football all season. We should be a part of that. And, and it, it was something that was, again, in saying it now in retrospect, it's so obvious, right? Because, because how, how could you not have an on-demand food delivery partner, um, you know, teed up to bring you your favorite food while you're watching football? It, it's so obvious in retrospect. But those are the types of things that I think internally as we start to ideate about innovation and what's next and how the brand comes to life, when we look at those truths and when we look at the DNA of what we do as a brand, the service that we provide to our customers, the service that we provide to our merchants, the jobs that we create for our fleet. When we put all of those things together and just look at that and say, hey, where's the white space? What haven't we tackled yet? What can we be doing that is, again, authentic to who we are, just like the NFL is? Um, those are the things that I think we'll chase and tackle as an organization. Well, I'm so glad that you're going to tackle those as an organization. And if we could round out this interview with a request on behalf of those tackling other organizations on this show, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is all about finding out how brands find those specific avenues through which they can both operationalize and reflect authenticity, however they define it. Now, we talked about it a lot here over the last roughly half hour, and I want, I want to turn the last question out uh, to you for our listeners, which is how, if you are building up a brand on your own, whether personal or professional, how do you seek out those avenues or how do you allow those avenues to rise to the top? Essentially here, what I'm asking is, how do you navigate the way to authenticity? And given your experience, not only at Postmates, but at others, and, and by the way, listeners, I didn't mention this, but Eric comes pretty well awarded. He's a member of the Forbes CMO Next uh, in last year's class. So he knows a thing or two about this kind of thing. How do you navigate personally? How do you navigate that path to authenticity and how can others get started on it? There's two things. The first I would say is really understanding your customer. And that sounds obvious, but use customer research. And, and when you look at the customer research, don't just overlay what your preconceived notions of the brand are and look for customers to, to, to kind of you know, support that or to reinforce that. Instead, look at your research and understand what the perception is of your brand, because that may be very different than how you think you are positioning your brand. 
So you, you have your brand truths. So you might have these, you know, your, your, your pillars of your brand. And then you go to consumer research and you're looking for consumers to reinforce what those are. Well, guess what? Instead, look for consumers to give you what their perception of the brand is. And it may be something very different from what you are trying to do. And if it is, then you have something to tackle as an organization to either align your pillars and truths with consumer perception or and, and, and start on the journey to help change consumer perception. And that's, that's one thing because those two things have to align. If your truths are not aligned with consumer perception or your customer's perception, then, th then this all doesn't work because anything that you do will seem inauthentic to your customer. And that, that, that puts you immediately behind where you want to be. So I think that's very important. The second thing that I think is extremely important is ensuring that the teams that you are hiring or working with or the agencies you work with, however you operate as an organization, you need to bring diverse perspectives and extreme diversity to the table. If you don't have diverse perspectives in the room, you will never be able to innovate and become a brand that is dynamic and that is future focused. You will always be thinking just about what that bubble that you've created has. And so diversity in opinion, diversity in people, diversity in background is super important to building, I would say, an authentic organization. I really appreciate that feedback and that advice. And listeners, take it from a brand that established cultural dominance in the LA area, at least, and now spreading elsewhere over the last couple of years. Take it from a guy with a fantastic pedigree on how to market well. Take these truths to heart. Maybe if you are running a brand right now, take a moment today or if you're listening in the evening tomorrow to write down some of those personal truths. Maybe rewrite them if you've already put them somewhere else in a branding document or something like that and track them over time. What rises to the top? And if you don't have one, consider the other side. What are we definitely not? Because it seems like that is a great way to find the appropriate avenues to that grand A word, which I've had a pleasure talking with Eric about today. Uh, Eric, once again, it was fantastic to learn more from your perspective. You're right. I am missing my Sunday afternoon uh, beer pretzel, which is what it is for me. Um, probably have to figure out a way to go get that delivered to me next Sunday, I think. And I think I figured out how I'm going to do that. But uh, for this advice and perspective today, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks so much, Adam. I had a great time. Quick question here for the listeners before we get on out of here. What's the most unique item you've had postmated to you? Let me know across social or email. I got to know. Thanks, Eric, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And hey, you can also find me elsewhere on social, LinkedIn at Authentic Avenue or just Adam Connor, Twitter at Authentic Ave, Instagram at Authentic Ave Media, and you can also write me directly, Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Say hello, recommend a guest, or just tell me what you think so far. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.